Welcome to today's Aviation Sunday episode of The Growth Zone. In these episodes, I share with you my passion for aviation. My weekdays episodes are on business, management, marketing and innovation. Let's get started on today's Sunday topic. So today I'm going to talk about engines, turbine engines, exactly. So you know when you look at aircraft, there are two main different kind of aircraft that you will notice just by looking at them. You have those who have a propeller outside and you have the ones that obviously have a turbine. So then the, you, you can't really see an outside propeller, so it's in a, in a casing. And um, there are different kinds of aircraft with different kinds of propellers. So the Cessna 172, which is the typical aviation trainer aircraft, has a propeller that you can see. And if you look at other aircraft, they also have a propeller, but they are not a typical standard piston engine. For instance, the Swedish Saab 340 has a turboprop engine. You can correct me if I've got that wrong, but uh, um, yeah, so that's a turbine. And when we look at the typical aircraft that we see when we travel on holiday on that, whether you take a Boeing 737 to commute to somewhere else, or you are in an Airbus 350, we have turbo fans. Hmm. You might say, okay, uh, isn't that the same thing? There's a difference. There exists as well turboshaft engines. Turboshaft is the typical engine that you will see on modern helicopters. They push their air in from the front, generate uh, lift, and um, get that done because they have a shaft going up in 90 degrees, that actually moves the blades of the helicopter. But if we look at regular aircraft, we have a very different kind of motor. And some aircraft have even some quite some interesting things. Let's stick first with the normal conventional propeller. So if you, for instance, fly a motor glider, you can start the aircraft first or take off with the propeller and at a certain time when you have a nice altitude you go and switch off the motor then depending on the type of aircraft the propeller might uh, fold up in the inner casing or it just stops moving and uh, may even adjust its angle so that you have less drag and of course that's a nice thing when you notice when you switch off the engine and suddenly it just pushes you backwards because you notice oh you haven't got the the forward pull the thrust of the engine of the propeller that's actually pulling you forward and then you are gliding and you notice how nice it is to glide and suddenly you can uh, take off your headset because it's very quiet and speaking of quiet, that's the thing. That's the big difference between the glider and the 
normal aircraft with an engine inside it. So the engine makes quite some noise. And that's why you see pilots in smaller aircraft wearing these very good headsets that protects as well their ears and allows them to communicate with a colleague next to them or to um, communicate with other aircraft and the, um, the ground control. So, when we look at the engines, we have different kind of engines, and especially when you then go and look at the business jets and that, they are typically turbojet engines, much smaller, and they are to a certain degree more economical than the traditional propeller piston engine. Nevertheless, of course, uh, you have to have a certain reach that makes it economically good sense. At a certain level of weight and distance and travel that you're doing, you want to eventually have the turbofan because that's using even more efficiently its capabilities and the kerosene, which is a form of like diesel, is more efficient. But when you think of it, hey, what's the difference? So they are very different kind of aircraft and they make quite fun depending on what you like. Some of you might uh, think, oh, I always dream of sitting in a 737 and flying that. It's a cool aircraft. Even a 747, a beautiful aircraft. And you can do a lot of different things with these um, planes. Nevertheless, of course, engines have some downsides. They have certain vulnerabilities. For instance, foreign objects damaging the fans, especially with um, big aircrafts. The problem when birds fly into the, into the fans and damage the fans. Or one of the fans somehow breaks by material fatigue or something, and that part flies around and damages the engine or uh, even damages part of the fuselage and other issues. That's, of course, one of the risks of these engines. Nevertheless, hey, what about me choosing a certain kind of aircraft and why should I have then a certain kind of engine on it? So, hmm, the, the typical thing would be, of course, to decide first, do I want to have a turboprop which means it has a propeller on it or a conventional propeller with a normal piston engine. That would be as well a small piper or um, a small beach and other things. And the larger aircraft, then of course you've got the turbofans. For instance, uh, if you look at the Citation CJ1 or CJ3, which is now I think the, the common ver smallest version of the business jet of Cessna, or just look at Gulfstream, Learjet, and so on. You have all the smaller aircrafts. Then you have the turbojet engine. And the turbojet has a few smaller components compared to the large turbofan. The turbofan is on the big aircraft, 77, and so on. So the turbofan has actually four sections. It's got an inlet where the air goes in. 
And then actually we have a compressor, which is a set of fans that compress the air together so that they can go into the combustion chamber where fuel is mixed with air. And then we actually generate the heat and the, the gases that we want to push out that gives us actually the thrust forwards. And that's then where we have another small turbine that actually gives us additional push. It's like the turbo booster on some cars. And that gives an, an extra push to the hot air, the hot gases that exit and pushes the air out. When you compare it to larger aircraft, like for instance the 737, you will have a turbo fan and it looks partly similar, but it's a little bit differently set up. So we have, of course, the inlet like with the other one, but we have a big fan in front and behind it is the compression area with another set of fans that actually push the air even further and then push it into the area where we have the combustion. The fuel inspector and fuel injector is in there that actually adds the fuel to the gas, to the air that's actually being pushed in so that it's mixed and we generate the combustion that gives us the hot gases that we want to push out. And the back, instead of having just maybe one small turbine fan, we have traditionally maybe three or even more fans. And that gives us an extra, extra push. And it goes through a nozzle. The formation and the forms of all these things are very different. Um, nevertheless, hey, what's actually, when you compare, of course, so many people and especially professional pilots, they all by profession, they fly big aircraft, but they all started with small. So they started surely with a small aircraft and then eventually moved on to the larger. So some people, of course, go and do their PPL license. They do different other kind of things. And then later decide, I'll keep the hobby. I enjoy it or can use it even to commute to other places where I need to get. And some of them decide to go and get uh, their commercial license and eventually hire on with one of the big airlines. But not everybody does that. And that's totally okay. So everyone wants to do that to a certain degree. Some have the passion so high that they want to do absolutely that as a daily job. And others just enjoy it as recreational excitement and fun. And you see the world from a very different perspective. And it doesn't matter whether you're flying over Florida, you're flying over uh, Victoria State in Australia, or in the southern part of Germany, or in Scandinavia over the snowy areas. It depends as well very much on what your aircraft is as well permitted to do. Especially in the cold areas, some aircraft are not permitted to be used because of the risk of icing. You travel sometimes maybe in winter and then you see the aircraft being de-iced and getting anti-icing and so on and so on. But of course, the smaller the aircraft, there are certain limitations where the aircraft hasn't got all the necessary elements to protect in case 
the icing becomes too strong. And there are quite some interesting things that people have invented over the years to counter icing, because icing has a big issue. Uh, when we fly, we, we actually are trying to get the air under our wings in a way that it holds it up while it's on the top it moves away and it doesn't hold us back we want to have lift and we want to have a good thrust the drag we want to reduce as much much as possible would say and that's where we actually notice wait a minute when you've got ice or dirt on your wings you are creating drag you might think oh but that's just some small thing it's just some small little dirt no um, even particularly as well with, with gliders and that. Um, when we fly with a motor glider, for instance, after landing, we clean everything. We take a wet cloth and, um, and sponges and so on and clean the surface, the surface of the, of the cockpit outside, uh, the motor surface, the blades we clean. We clean as well the... Um, the wings and the rudder and ailerons and so on and uh, elevators and all that and then we push it into its uh, hangar hmm so it's actually good to do that and even if you just went for half an hour flying around you still have to do that and with aircraft big aircraft you have similar procedures as well and especially in winter, you need to de-ice or uh, use as well, uh, in addition, anti-icing activities. You have parts built in, in the big aircrafts like sort of ice boots. They don't look like boots, but the idea is they can inflate and thereby actually break the ice off the leading edge of your wing. And that reduces then as well the drag because ice not only weighs something, but it has a very distinctive surface that creates unpleasant drag. And that we want to get rid of because it costs fuel, it is a risk, and um, we just don't want to have it. And it increases our safety. So the next episode we'll be looking at more things i'll be telling you a few other things about aviation but today was just the first start and i don't want to over complicate things because next few episodes we'll be looking at things like maybe navigation how aircraft find the way or even landing how landing works and um, how landing happens as well when a pilot has to do it at night or in fog and that you might have heard of terms like ILS, ATIS, uh, AVOS and other kind of abbreviations even things like weather and that how can I use actually aviation weather to find out how maybe the weather will be in my area even if I do not fly an aircraft. I hope you enjoyed today's Aviation Sunday episode. I would like to invite you to follow our show so that you don't miss the upcoming topics and interviews. Simply visit my website 
There you will find also the new section for suggesting topics or guests. I will be adding the link also to the description of this episode, so that you just need to click on that link. 